all. And howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie, and welcome to Sumo Kaboom. Sumo Kaboom. Now, this week, we have a special treat for you. We know within our community, there is a guy named Ash Warren, and he lives in Japan, and he has been a longtime sumo fan, and he wrote... A book. A book. And it's a great primer for someone who is interested in sumo and wants to know more about the traditions and the Japanese culture that surrounds sumo. Yeah. I thought it was a fascinating book. It's a really entertaining book, and it's for someone who's got a burgeoning interest in sumo. That's right. And so we wanted to sit down and have a chit chat with Ash and let him talk about his book, but also find out about his Japanese experience and chat with him about life, living in Japan and the sumo world. First, though, we got to do a news flash. The summer tour is over, but let's just say Everyone kind of made it through, like, healthy, but, of course, on the last day, it was Takakesho who pulled out, as well as Mitakeyumi. So Takakesho showed up on the last day of the tour, and he wasn't really feeling well. We don't know if that's COVID or what that is, but he just wasn't feeling well. Also, Mitakeyumi was out again due to a coronavirus infection in his stable, which I have to say, to this point, seems like the most infectious stable <laughs> of them all. Also, this week, Terunofuji finally got to see his name engraved at the Tomioka Hachimangu Shrine in Koto Ward, and that's in Tokyo. And basically what it is, is there's a festival that happens every time. There's a Yokozuna named. And since that happened so long ago, and we've been dealing with coronavirus ever since, he hasn't been able to have this a festival with him and him being able to put his name engraved in the stone that's there. And the stone holds all the names of all the Yokozuna before him. So it was an emotional moment for him. He said, I felt once again that I was able to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Yokozuna before me. And so congratulations to him. I'm glad though that that it got postponed, that it happened again, and he was able to have this really awesome ceremony and um, be part of this festival. And uh, so congratulations, Tanner Fuji. That is all I've got. Over to you, Laurie. That's good. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the way of salt, sumo, and the culture of Japan. Uh, yeah, that's been a journey. <laughs> I want to know where the idea for this book came from and why you were the one to write it. Okay, so yeah, I've I've been in living in Japan since 1992. Um, so, and it's I've always been interested in sumo. And in fact, I was interested in sumo before I came to Japan. I was living in the UK for a few years, and they had this London tournament there. And I um, started tuning into that. And uh, yeah, and although sumo wasn't the reason I came to Japan, it's certainly one of the big reasons I've stayed here uh, for this long. So yeah, eventually, having watched sumo for 30 years, and also um, I got involved with a lot of other things, you know, regarding Japanese culture, particularly things like the tea ceremony. Um, mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, um, and I've been a moderator also, which has been an interesting experience over the last several years on one of the um, Sumo Sumo Sumo, which is a Facebook site you probably know. Oh, yes, 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 on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of people in, in um, you know, coming in there who basically, I think a lot of Westerners um, have a view of Sumo as really just a sport. Mm -hmm. And they don't really know much about how it links in with Japanese culture and uh, the language and the culture and all the history and all of this sort of thing. As I, the sort of title of the book says, it's an attempt to you know explain Sumo in terms of Japanese culture, in terms of Japanese thinking and that sort of thing. So that's really where the idea of the book, you know, the genesis of the, of the, of the book came from. Um, yeah, to talk, to explore more about Japanese culture and to explain sumo in a sort of way that people could understand it in terms of that rather than simply just as a sport. 
So is it made for beginners? Is it made for people who have some familiarity I, with it? What do you it's think? It's really made for people who have more sort of a familiarity, I would say, uh, with sumo. And, you know, my publisher, Gwen, um, mm -hmm. a shout out to her at Sumo James Press because she's it's really a labor of love, uh, I think, this book for her as well. Um, yeah. She was often saying to me, you know, in the book, like, well, you know, people don't know that. <laughs> you know, why are you saying that? People don't know that. And, you know, you tend to assume a lot of things when you've been around Samo for a long time. Mm -hmm. What we've done in the book is we've provided everybody a, a glossary in both Japanese and English at the back of the book to explain all this terminology, uh, which you would hear if you switch into, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you switch in to that, yeah, to... Yeah. Um, NHK and you're listening to a sumo and you hear all these words, you know. Um, so we provided, so, you know, in the process of explaining the book, every single Japanese word we've used mm -hmm. um, to explain sumo is explained in the glossary. So it's, a, I think, a beginner, somebody going into sumo, yeah, if, you know, could, could benefit a lot from actually reading um, the book. Um, they might find some things in there they're not familiar with, uh, but I don't think there's anything in there which is too difficult. Um, the, one of the the thing is, you know, um, Japanese culture is very unique. A lot of foreigners look at Japanese and they know Jap some of them know Japanese people, mm -hmm. and they think, well, you know, these guys, you know, they live in houses like ours and they live wear you know, clothes like us, and you know, so they they're like us. And even when, you know, you get people living here for a while, um, you know, for two or three years on business assignments and stuff like this, and they're talking about, you know, they, they think like, oh, you know, well, you know, it's the same, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's not. And the longer you live here, the more radically different the culture is. And there's nothing more radically different than Sumo, because Sumo is like living history. I mean, this is not, this has changed, of course. But fundamentally, uh, there's a lot of things in here which link back into into um, it's into Japanese history. It's deeply connected with things like Shinto, um, mm -hmm. which is one of the big things in the book. I, I sort of explain. It also is very much um, linked into the Japanese way of thinking about things. About and this explains a lot of things, you know, which you see in on the dohyo which a lot of Westerners think, oh, no, that's terribly unfair. Uh, I'll give you an example. For example, you know, you know, Asanoyama um, breaks, breaks the rules. He goes out drinking and he's, you know, demoted from, uh, uh, from well, not demoted, but he's banned from sumo for like a year, which basically works out as really two years. He's going to, he's, he's now clawing his way back up the ranks as a, right. as a, um, uh, you know, to back towards his former Ozeki rank. So, okay, that's great. But a lot of Westerners look at this and think, wow, that's a shitty thing to do. I mean, you know, the poor guy, he goes out drinking, you know, he gets demoted all the way down here. His career is ruined. He's not making any money. Yep. You know, uh, how awfully unfair that is, you know. And what about all these guys that get injured and then they go down the ranks, like, you know, Tenor Fuji and all these other people who've gone mm. down the ranks. You know, but this is the Japanese way of doing things. I mean, this is this is deeply related to Japanese thinking, and you know, for example, when you're looking at people like you know Ozeki, mm -hmm. people in Japan and Korea and China who are in the public eye, who are TV actors and singers and all this sort of thing, they're supposed to be morally moral examples for the rest of society. Now, when we look at people in your, you know, in America and Hollywood, you know, you look at these sort of yeah. folk and you think. Oh, he's been divorced nine times, you know, arrested <laughs> twice for cocaine. But so what? He's a rock star. No mm -hmm. problem, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, people like some arrestors, they are supposed to be, particularly Ozeki and Yokozuna, they're supposed yeah. to be leaders of the community. They're supposed to be examples for children and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And so there are huge repercussions when you break the rules. When your average Joe salaryman can't go out for a drink at a bar because of COVID restrictions, and then he hears about, you know, this Ozeki, this great 
character, you know, and he's broken the rules himself. Of course, the guy's going to be, they're going to punish the shit out of him. This yeah. is Japanese thinking. And going down the ranks and fighting through the pain, this mm -hmm. idea of fighting spirit, this is part of the idea of fighting spirit. You go down the ranks and then you, when you're better, you come back up the ranks, you know, and there's no, hanging on to your rag and, oh, that's deeply unfair and all this sort of thing. That's not the way Japanese think, and that's not the way. And this is reflect. This is a reflection of Japanese culture. Hmm. And you need to know that in order to understand, um, you know, sumo. You need to know something about the way Japanese thinking goes, the way Japanese culture works, in order to really understand what all this is about because it's a deeply, you know, it's a deeply Japanese thing. It's not. It's not just a, a sport where you know somebody wins or loses. That's the thrust of the book, basically. It's really wonderful in that way. When I mm. read it, I was thinking about Asana Yama as well as an example, yeah. and it really helped me understand why he in particular was held to a much higher moral standard mm -hmm. than anyone else. I, yeah. I guess it didn't really sink in how these men represent yeah. so many different facets exactly, of, yeah. of yeah. Japanese thinking. Yeah. Everything from a force of nature that's, that's I think you said mm. it's vital to the national good and yes. embodies the very spirits that that's right. they're giving homage to. So, of course, when yeah. someone who embodies all of that makes exactly. a mistake, yeah. it would have to be punished. You would have yeah, to. Yeah, that's why it. they get so upset about people like Asunoyama and Asashoryu uh, um, and other people who, in the Yokozuna state, it's particularly, who don't do the right thing, who don't mm -hmm. behave in the Japanese way and this sort of thing. They react very strongly to that, um, of course. And uh, yeah, it's just part of the part of the culture. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this is Shinto, the, the Yokozuna, as I pointed out in the book, is regarded as a Shinto god, as a kami. And it's a sacred position. That's why he wears the white rope. The white mm -hmm. rope symbolizes the shimin hour. Uh, the shimin hour you know, is the is the the circle of rope that's attached to sacred things and rocks and trees and things. You see this it's all over Japan and Shinto shrines. Every Shinto shrine has one. With him wearing this shimin hour, this white rope, is the sune. Uh, is is the symbol of his sort of divinity in a sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a sport in this sense. Um, there's all this. You can look at It's perfectly fine to look at sumo as a sport. Mm -hmm. Lots of people do this. I know lots of Americans and Australians and people who look at sumo purely as a sport and they love it. They mm -hmm. love seeing the contest, the physicality of it and everything. It's great. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> there's an awful lot more to it than that. Yes. Um, and and I think if you can see both sides of this picture, I think one of the great things about sumo is the fact that it's not just a sport. It's not like baseball, and it's not, God forbid, like golf and stuff like that. <laughs> it's God. it's it it is a it is a deeply rich sport. And this is the thing. I when I started watching sumo thirty years ago, um, it's you know this the thing that really holds your attention to it is there's always something to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, yes. I've been doing this for 30 years and written a book on it, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, I don't, but I still don't know. There's loads of stuff that I do not know about Simba and its history and things like that. And I think that's a fascinating thing because, you know, there's always something to learn and every basho or whatever, you pick up bits and pieces. I do think, as I've said before, though, that the commentary you get these days, a lot of the time when you're listening to Simba, doesn't really teach you much. It teaches you yes. about what's going on in the ring and mm -hmm. it teaches you maybe a lot of terminology about, you know, yorikiri and oshidashi and mawashi and stuff like that. But it doesn't actually teach you much about the culture. I think you you don't really, yeah, there's a lot missing, I think, from even if you do get the English commentary. I'm talking about the English commentary, actually. Um, yeah. the, the, the Japanese commentary is a lot more informed. Yeah. But the, the English commentary is is particularly lacking these days. I, I I sort of grew up with the likes of the old Doreen Simmons. You ever heard of her? Absolutely, she, yes. She was a, a fountain of information about um, 
Sumo and not just Sumo, but its culture, you know, the history of its culture and why things look like this. What does that roof mean? Why are the tassels hanging from it? Why are they different colors? You know, what, what's the salt all about? All this sort of thing. And, you know, she explained all that sort of thing. I think with a lot of the, co the commentary you're getting on the English side these days, too, mm -hmm. um, is um, there's a lack of this. And, you know, Japanese don't know this either. They don't. I mean, modern Japanese have absolutely you know, zero interest in sumo these days a lot of the time, which is a lot of the the, the, the interesting thing. When you go to the, like the Kokugika, for example, the mm -hmm. National Sumo Stadium in Tokyo, it's and you look out over the audience, it's like it's a sea of grey heads like me. <laughs> it's the, it, the younger generation, I, and when I teach my classes at university, I often I used to ask them, like, does anybody here like sumo? You know, like not a single hand would go up. Hmm. And that's just the way, you know, it is these days. So young Japanese, you know, particularly, and even older Japanese, don't really know that much about sumo and the detail of sumo. And that's the thing which, you know, um, you know, they, although there's lots of books on Japanese they can go and read, there's absolutely nothing much in English. So that's one of the other reasons I wanted to write the book and why my publisher was sort of interested in it because, you know, you know, she was looking around too and she's a sumo fan. Mm -hmm. And she sort of said, yeah, you know, there really isn't much about this. There are some books around talking about what is a mawashi and stuff like this, but there's not really much stuff, you know, going into the detail of the culture. So, yeah, yeah unless you read uh, and unless you pay attention and, you know, question things, or maybe go onto these uh, sumo sites like the one that I'm a moderator of um, mm -hmm. and ask questions about from people who actually know the answers, that's when you start getting all the information, you know, about what's actually going on in front of you. There's always some quirky historical reason why they do all the stuff they do, uh -huh. you know, and why they live like that and why they wear their hair like that and all the different sorts of things, you know, which relate to those sort of, that sort of stuff. For example, in the book, um, too, if you're talking about um, culture, mm -hmm. uh, for example, which this is a fact that probably hardly anybody knows. So if your listeners are listening to this, uh, this is something you can shock your friends with uh, in the sumo world. The Imperial Palace... And the imperial, uh, the, the city of Kyoto and also the city of Osaka and Nara are modeled on the Chinese cities of Xi'an, the Chinese capital, right? They are a grid pattern, mm -hmm. okay, which is uh, you know, unlike Tokyo, which is like spaghetti. These countries, these cities are, are grid patterns like the city of Xi'an. The imperial palace in China uh, in, that was built in Xi'an uh, which is the old historical name is Chang'e, looks toward the south. And the emperor gets up every morning and he looked toward the south and his, you know, the city was laid out. And there was a left side and there was a right side. And, in, and when Kyoto came about and Nara came about and Kyoto came about, the imperial palace and the city was laid out in exactly the Chinese pattern. Mm -hmm. So you had the, the emperors looking out towards the south you had the left side and the right side. The court was the same. You had the minister of the left and the minister of the right. You had this courtier of the left and that courtier of the right. You had this minister of the left and that minister of the left. It was all done in this left and right way looking south. Mm -hmm. Now you look at the Sumo Dojo, it's exactly the same. The mm -hmm. Yokozuna is the emperor. When he does the Dojo Iri, he faces towards the south. On his left, there is a... There is a, a, a Dew sweeper, and on his right there is his, there is the guy holding his sword, and it's laid out as a copy of the imperial court. So shock your friends with that little piece of information. It's in the book actually. Yeah. But the, these are the little tiny funny things about sumo. Uh, then there's millions of them, which mm -hmm. makes them so interesting once mm -hmm. you start going into it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I always tell people one of the reasons I'm so interested in sumo is because it's like those Russian nesting dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mm. when you think you understand something, you open it up and there's more to mm. unpack. There is, there is. Whereas you can learn golf in 10 minutes. So. <laughs> 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 That's good. 
there are many things I found very interesting about this book, but you help me understand when every single sumo wrestler stands up for a post-match interview and they say, I'm just trying to do my style of sumo. Yeah. You know, that's always seemed like an interesting catchphrase to me, and I've never really understood what it meant. But you had a really great description of it in here. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, sure. Doing my style of sumo, yeah, you get these. This is one of the things that people find a bit weird in sumo is when you get the post-match interview, they come up and they say something very modest, which is very, which is Japanese culture, of course, you know, they're not, you, know, you never sort of wag your finger and say, yeah, yeah, I did really great. Um, but what, what, what they, what they're saying here is um, that they, in doing my type of, of sumo is, is actually a reference to the way people train uh, in sumo, yeah. which is, if you if you are a pusher thruster or if you are a moashi guy, whichever way you do your sumo, uh, um, then the process of education in anything in Japan, whether it's the tea ceremony or the way of the sword or you know judo or karate or any of these martial arts, is turned is done by repetition. And so you repeat and you repeat and you repeat and you repeat until you are performing your actions without thinking. Mm-hmm. And this is, they often say this, you know, when they go into these post-match interviews, they say, how did you, you know, what was your plan? They say, I didn't have one, mm-hmm. you know. And so and so, what what did you think about the match? They say, oh, I can't really remember it. And they're not actually lying in here. What they're saying is, um, I just reacted naturally to what the opponent did. Well, I just and that that's what I doing my style of sumo is. It's this reacting with what in Zen Buddhism is called mushin, which is no mind. Where is you? And this is where you, the grace of anything that is done in Japan, like the tea ceremony, mm-hmm. you do this over and over and over and over. And in the way of and shin and in um, kendo, in the way of the sword, you practice over and over and over these tiny tiny little movements until they're natural, until they're affected in your mind. And Mm -hmm. that's what the aim is in sumo also, is that you, by learning over and over and over again, these small movements and putting them together into a fight, that is the way of being able to react and fight in a natural way. And that's what my way of sumo actually is a reference to is that I don't think about it. I just get up there and I do it. And if I stop and think about it, then I'm not acting in a natural way. And that's often when I lose. Hmm. And that would, you know, because I'm not doing my style of sumo, I'm not fighting um, from myself. I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I, so this, this is what it's basically a reference to anyway. He's not really saying, you know, yeah, I'm a pusher thruster and I got up and I pushed, right. <laughs> you know, right. That, that's not really what he's saying in this, but it's, it is inferred in, if you know something about Japanese culture and, and the way training, all training is done here is by repetition. And this is still a focus, like I said, in the book of the Japanese school system. You know, it's not about original thinking. It's about repetition. It's about rote memory of things. Yeah. And so it's yeah. still today the Japanese school system is based on this idea of rote memory. It's often very criticized for this, actually. Hmm. But um, sumo and the martial arts are extremely like this. They're a very traditional way of learning something. And so, and this is reflected in sumo, and that's what they mean, yeah. Yeah, the idea that that practice is the path, and it will take you, win or lose, yeah, the way you need to go. Exactly, yeah. You you will develop your own way, and you will and 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 you will do it naturally. There's lots of lovely stories. For example, if you've ever read um, Yoshikawa Eiji's novelization of uh, Musashi's uh, Miyamoto Musashi's, this great. Japanese swordsman, his life, you know, in the you know, Edo period, um, and he, you know, there's lots of stories and, and uh, about the way that he learned the sword. And there's a quote I made in the book there um, in one of the chapter headings uh, from 
Miyashi, uh, from the Misashi, who said, you know, that practice is the path. And if you want to perfect something, if you want to be good at something, perfect something, you have to walk, be willing to walk the path of practice. And this is why you live in a dohyo, uh, sorry, in a in a in a heya, in a stuba fable. And you are that's what you do. You know, mm-hmm. you get up, you have this extremely regimented life mm-hmm. where you get up in the morning and you throw yourself into practice, you know. And, you know, it's practice is seen as actually much more serious than what you do on the dog, you know, in a home bar shop. Oh, really? What you do, what you do in front of your oyakata, showing your commitment, showing your seriousness and showing, you know, you know that you're willing to fight until you drop every day for hours that, that is practice that's it and you know it's the oyakata looks at you and that's the way they judge you they judge you in japan and this is another thing i'm talking about in the book as well mm-hmm. you're judged in japan you know like in business also you're judged by the seniority system it's not mm-hmm. the the merit system here you know you're judged by how long you've been a member of the company basically and you're rewarded for that. So what they're rewarding in Japan, as opposed to the merit system in America and other countries, is they're not rewarding you for your bottom line and what value you brought to the company and this sort of thing, the dollar sign, basically. In Japan and in Asia, you're rewarded for commitment. And commitment means your attitude. Mm -hmm. So what you're being rewarded for in the seniority system is you're being rewarded for your... um, uh, for an emotional commitment to something. That's an interesting way of looking at, you know, a business. About, you know, you're rewarding your employees for their attitude, hmm. for for sticking with your company and your loyalty. That's how you're judged in sumo and the martial arts as well. Your oyakata looks at your commitment. He looks at how seriously you practice, how willing you are to, to, to go the extra mile and work mm-hmm. till you drop to perfect something. And I gave the example, I think, to Kami Sakari, who's now an oyakata. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his oyakata used to say about him because he was just so committed. Yeah. And when he showed up, people used to say this when he was in the Honba show, you know, in the main basho, and they'd say, wow, you know, he's really just, the Japanese loved him, not because he was greatly successful, but because he was so obviously 100% there. Yes. You know, and... But in the hair, that's the way you're judged too. How, you know, he showed up 100% every morning. He was there, and he was completely committed mm. to get to going the extra mile. This is Japanese culture, and the way that the reason they train like this. And if you want to look at Japanese baseball, for example, it's exactly the same. If you go and join the high school baseball team, mm-hmm. they practice 365 days a year. They cut their hair. Really. Yeah, these guys, it's completely serious. I mean, you know, it, it is life. That's, there's nothing else. And uh, that's the way in, in the sumo hair as well. It's, 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 that's your life. You either show up fully committed or you get weeded out. But you don't have to be the world's most talented wrestler. What you have to be is the world's most committed, committed. wrestler. Yeah. And that's the same in companies as well. You know, wow. you get all these guys in companies, you know, they might be mm. thick as cheese, but they're completely committed to, you know, their work. And that's why they, and people often say, oh, you know, he's very majime, you know, Japanese means serious. Mm. And that being serious is seen as, a, is, is much more important than being seen as smart. Hmm. You know? That's just Japanese. That's another thing about Japanese culture, which is very reflected in sumo. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Well, I could talk with you about your book for hours, but I don't want to take about, don't want to take too much of your time, but I want to give you an an opportunity if there's, if there's something else you want to mention in this book to sort of get people interested in it, because I really want people to read this book. It's really fantastic. There's a wealth of information in here and it's, it's a fun, easily digestible read about. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to make it, you know, sort of like a history book, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's built, it's built. If don't worry about what I would say to people, you know, listening is that, you know, don't worry if you, if you've only watched one basho and you've never seen anything like this before, you know, read the book, 
and you know you have a much more you have a more of an insight into Japanese culture and the way things are done. And when you look at the basho, you know when you're watching you're watching on TV, you'll have a better idea about what the whole thing's about. You know, and hopefully you probably have a better idea than what most people <laughs> think it's, <laughs> it's about. The other thing I think is if you're watching sumo is don't get too turned off by all the language and all the, you know, you maybe don't know everybody's name, all this sort of thing. Just uh, just enjoy it on whatever level you want to enjoy it. And, you know, and and le- take an act, be patient and take an actual interest in learning about you know, learning things step by step. You know, it's like I said, it's not golf. I mean, it it really takes, you know, uh, years to learn about Samoa. But it's a very, very enjoyable process. And there's lots of people, you know, in uh, online particularly, who are more than willing to help and answer questions and things like that. And when you eventually, you know, hopefully one day come to Japan and you can actually see the whole thing live, it will mean so much more to you. And also... By learning about sumo, it's a doorway into Japanese learning about Japanese culture generally. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the whole experience of being in Japan will mean a lot more to you, um, you know, because you know some, so much about sumo. So, you know, it's a good thing that way. Agreed. What is the best way for people to get your book? Right. Well, it's on pre-order at the moment as we're speaking. On September the first, um, you can buy it. It will it will ship. <laughs> so, but you can pre-order it now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and I think also uh, there's several others. Ingram Sparks and uh, places. I don't, you know, if you just want it, just just go to Amazon and order it. Um, it's also a big sumo fan. Um, they're they're holding a stock of it, and I think they're giving it away at some sort of discount. So I'll give a plug to them. Um, yeah, and so it'll be available at, you know, major bookstores and Amazon and, you know, the people can order it. And it's available. It will, if you, you can pre-order it now, or it'll be, it comes out on September 1st. And if people have sumo questions, is the best way to get a hold of you through that Facebook group, Sumo Sumo Sumo? Sumo, yeah, that's a really good way. And we've got lots of experts in there. Um, you do. You've got thousands yeah. of people in that group. Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, we've got. I think we had about twenty thousand people. Anybody can go on to Sumo 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 and ask questions. Um, and the moderators there, there's some very good moderators there that, that who will happily answer your questions. And also, yeah, they. I think my email address is in the back of the book there, and people are quite willing. If I'm quite willing to answer questions if people want to write to me. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they can Thank come you. to you, can't they? They can ask you questions. Absolutely. But, you know, my knowledge, I'm watching sumo with, you know, three, four years worth of knowledge. You're watching sumo with 30 years of knowledge. So you beat me out hands nah. down. Don't worry. I think I beat most people out these days. <laughs> I'm more, I think of myself not as a sumo expert, but definitely a sumo fan. Someone who's just excited to learn more. So yeah, I'm yeah. really excited about your book. We, uh, I think being a fan, that's the most important thing. Um, we, we uh, uh, on Facebook and, you know, through the book, yeah, that's, it's, it's for fans. Uh, and fans, whatever level you, know, you are a fan, it, it's fantastic. So, you know, the more we, we can spread the joy of Sumo, the happier I will be. Yes, me too. And thank too. you very much for doing your part as well in that. That's really good. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I always think I, I've stopped supporting individual wrestlers because I'm the kiss of death. And the moment, the moment I support somebody, that's the, basically the end of their career. Oh, so, no. So yeah. you're the reason Hakaho retired. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm the whole, I think I'm the reason that Japan, Japan generally has collapsed. I came in 1992, right at the end of the bubble. The moment I got here, the economy tanked. Oh, no. <laughs> It is your fault. I used to support. I used to support Musoyama back in the day. You know, oh, he's now wow. judges. Yeah, you know, the ball. He's the ball guy. Okay, you know, he's one of the chief judges. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. His his career completely tanked after I started watching. You know, it was the end. <laughs> the thing I can't understand, which I mentioned in the book too, is that you know, with the, I mean, with the uh, current audience, I mean. The audience that's really growing is the foreign audience. It's yeah. not the Japanese one. The Japanese one is dying, you know. But the foreign audience is booming. 
you know, the the audience that you're catering for, uh, you know, we are on Facebook and stuff as well, is booming, booming, booming. Um, And there's more and more interest in it. So I'm just waiting for NHK to to wake up and say, you know, we need to have a a full foreign broadcast of this, you know, from scratch, you know, which goes out to everybody. You know, uh, yeah. and, and and other areas, and do some deals where, you know, where people like yourselves can actually listen to an English broadcast of the sumo, you know, um, and learn what's yeah. going on. Yeah, NHK needs to wake up and um, cater more for the foreign audience because that's where the future is. Obviously, the future of sumo is online, mm-hmm. and it is in in other languages. And uh, that's what I'm really hoping NHK one day will wake up to. I hope so. And do that. But at the moment, they put a lot of barriers, uh, you know, down, um, bet- you know, for, for, for particularly companies trying to share the sumo on Facebook and, you know, yeah. YouTube and things like that. And there's all sorts of you know, restrictions and things, um, which I guess is fair enough because it's their broadcast. But, yeah. you know, if they're not willing to make, the foreign language broadcast available, you know, and then, that, you know, you can't really blame people for sort of going outside the law and trying to, you know, get it to people in a language that they'll understand. Yeah. This yeah. is the thing. I mean, just on Facebook, we, you know, people, we, we get new people joining our group all the time and they know nothing. And they're like, you know, well, what's all this about? What's all that about? And the thing is, even if they're watching it in English, they're not necessarily learning it you know, because mm-hmm. they they don't really talk about a lot of things other than what you can see in front of you. One of the things Hiro does all the time too is he talks about what's happening on the dohyo, mm-hmm. and that's all. And mm-hmm. this is a constant stream of he's of stuff you can already see yourself. You know, mm-hmm. oh, he's being pushed to the edge of the ring. We know that, <laughs> and now he's been pushed out. Yeah, we know that. And there's there's all this sort of thing going on, sort of commentary. Mm-hmm. But you know. Um, you know, I, I, there's there's a lot more to it than that. And I, I'm hoping that you know you get better commentators, people who know about the culture and things like that, who can share that sort of information better, not just and not just talk about you know the fight itself. You know, but when I started watching Samoa, you know, it was the great Takawaka Jedi started then, and you know yeah. there was Dorian Simmers and Dave Shapiro and lots of other people commentating, very knowledgeable folk, and you know I learned a lot. Um, from listening to them, you know, and that was the thing, you know, when I first came to Japan, there was bugger all in English. I mean, nothing, you know. And that was just Uh, in 92. That's not that long ago, really. 92, yeah, when I came to Japan, uh, it it was every – I moved to Osaka, first of all. Um, The train stations were completely in Japanese. The, if the, the ticket machine was completely in Japanese. You went to go to the bank, the ATM was completely in Japanese. It shut, the ATM itself shut at 5 o'clock, you know, 5.30. You know, it, it, was a, it was a different world. You know, There was no foreign food. There was no Italian restaurants. There was no, you know, pizza. There was no, you know, an avocado cost like ten dollars. Oh my god! You know? There was no, there was no way to find. There was no cell phones. There was no internet. Yeah. There was, you know, that was, and you know, so you're learning Japanese, you know, without, you know, the help of, you know, electronic dictionaries and all that sort of thing. Didn't have them. And so, if you wanted to see the sumo, you could watch it on the telly, which was fine. And there was a sumo digest. The, all of this was in Japanese. Right. And the only thing, the only English was the basho itself, for a couple of hours. Hmm. And that was in English. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, Akebono was like nearly, you know, it was like six nine or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kanishiki was like the same size. When these two guys used to collide, and you don't hear this on a, on TV, but when you're in the in the bash in sitting down there on the you know close to the basha, and you you hear this physical you know hit when these two guys go together, it's much much. You, you don't really get the effect of that on TV, um, but it's really really physical. Uh, this sort of thing, hmm. and scary too. I mean, my old my Numi. You know, the, the smallest wrestler in the old Jedi in the old days. I mean, he, that was the end of his career when Konishiki fell on him and broke his leg. Oh, no, that I didn't the, know that. That was the end of his career. Yeah. Oh, he, my he, God. He, he broke his knee or something like that. By, just Konishiki fell on him. And that was the way Konishiki actually 
sort of won lots of bouts because he just fall just on you. Fall on you. you. Know, yeah, he just, you know, you, he was just impossible to shift. So, you know. He, Large he, man. He yeah. yeah. And it, when, the way he always used to lose, and he lost to Miami and people like that too, was people just got behind him. Yeah. Once he started moving forward, he just kept going. <laughs> so if you could get like behind him. Ichinojo yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Ichinojo, so it's got the back problems and things like that. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, a lot of these big guys – and this is the thing with a lot of the pusher thrusters as well, is that, you know, it's they have the particular injuries, like yeah. Akebono and people like that. You know, it's the wrist. Mm-hmm. The wrist goes. And the knee, and carrying enormous weight, knees go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, these um, – and they're vulnerable to people who can jump to the side and things yeah. like this. Yeah. Who's, I'm just curious. Who's your favorite guy right now in the Ooh, world? Oh, I, I, I hate to say their name. Um, let's see. I know. Um, well, just imagine it's not the kiss of death. <laughs> I, 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 before this basho, I would have said Tsuyoshi, uh, actually. I quite oh, yeah? Like, He's, yeah, he's very versatile. But then he did this stupid thing last basho of doing uh, this Ashitori leg pick like seven times in a row. Yeah. And I think, yeah. what are you doing? Who <laughs> <You laughs> knows you're going to do this, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I like Tetsuyoshi. I think he's very versatile. I, I think um, uh, Kiribayama is very, it has a has a bright future. I think him and Hoshoryu and Kiribayama and Hoshoryu have bright futures in front of them, I think. Um and I th- and I think the the Waka brothers Waka Waka Motoharu, Waka Motoharu, uh-huh. and uh, Waka Takakage, those yep. two guys, the unpronounceables. <laughs> I think that they they also have you know really bright futures. I I can see. I I said like last year that I think Waka Takakage could become a Yokozuna. Wow, really? Even at his size, you think he could make? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, absolutely, his size. I mean, he's no smaller than you know. Um, Takanohana or um, you know Chianofuji or any of the a lot of the greats uh, you know he's 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 a he's a standard size 160k hmm. that's 140 160k that's okay you can you can do that it's a better it's a matter of skill and he's a good Mawashi wrestler who he can is. fight you know in a, in different ways um, I think his brother is also very talented too Wakamoto Haru so I think those two you know probably. I think those two at the moment are probably uh, out, the outstanding sort of ones I would I, I'd keep my eye on, but we're entering this sort of funny period in sumo. It's rather weak, yeah. And we've got this weak yokozuna, and we have terrible yok- uh, ozeki, and uh, they're not doing that. The ozeki are not challenging the yokozuna. The yokozuna himself is like one fall away from retirement, I reckon, <laughs> and. I, I do think, you know, that you, as a result of that weakness at the top of the Joyin, at the top of the Sanyaku area, you, there's a possibility you're going to see other weaker Ozeki and future Yokozunas coming in, guys that are not dominant. Hmm. And the idea of the Yokozuna is the Yokozuna is the dominant guy. He's the guy who you cannot beat. Right. And when you've got Yokozuna in there who you can beat, who are weak and who, who have good basho and bad bad, bad basho and, you know, uh, absent all the time and things like that, that is a weak period in Samoa. And one of the controversial things I was talking about in the book is that, in my opinion, there's only really been um, three Yokozuna in the last 20 years. There's been Takanohana, Asashoryu, and Hakoho. And the rest of them, I don't think, should have been there. I think they should have, yeah, because, and they got promoted, some of them. One of the worst ways you get promoted to Yokozuna is the Kisina Sato way, where you get promoted by the numbers, mm-hmm. not because you've won two consecutive basho, but because you've got, you know, X number of wins, 40 wins or something. That is not sufficient. A Yokozuna means more than that in Sumo. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you're going to get, this week period until you start seeing the dominant guy, the the new Hakuhara Shoryu guy, and you'll know him when you see him because he will just sweep up through ranks. He, he might bounce around the upper levels in the beginning, but he will eventually stake his claim on the top rank, and he will hold it, and he'll beat everybody else in that area. That's a real Yokozuna, and that's what we're waiting for in the future. At the moment, 
I don't think waka up waka motohara waka takakaka. They're not that. They're good. Yeah. Maybe good ozeki. I would like to see them as ozeki. I think they could probably do very well. Um, but they're not yokozunas. A yokozuna has to be stronger than that. Yeah. You know, this is the problem with the Ozeki we've got at the moment is they're not competitive. They're losing half the time to the people down the bottom of Maegashira. <laughs> you know, they're not they, – they, these guys, their job in the first week is to beat everybody down the bottom. Yeah. And then they spend the second week fighting all the top guys and really challenging them. You know, that's not what you see at the moment. With people like Shodai mm-hmm. is he loses everything in the first week and then, I don't know, has some coffee or something and wakes up in the second week. And then there's, you know, it doesn't, even then it's pretty dodgy. You know, he yeah. finishes not great wins or something like that. But people say, oh, great. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not, you know, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Supposed to do, you know? Yeah. You know? The one great thing about having watched sumo for like 30 years, that means watching something like 140 basho, by the way, is that, you know, is that, you know, you, you when you look back in the past, you can really see the difference. Yeah. You know? And sumo goes through its strong phases and weak phases. But I tend to think if you look at the 60s, 70s, 80s, it was just so much more exciting, you know. Mm. and. The Ozeki, you love to see the Ozeki because they were they were really gunning for the Yokozuna yeah. in those days. And it was just much more exciting. And there was no hesitation about their sumo. They they really flew at the guy, you know, and it was full on. And it was exciting to watch that sort of thing. You know? So <laughs> but you know, watching watching Shodai sort of thing you know, thrown out by the Maigashira seventeen, we you know, without <laughs> without even an effort, you think, well, you know, what's happened to sumo? You know, the sport I love. (laughs) You just answered one of my other questions I had for you, which was, yeah, what was, since you've been watching it so long, what was your favorite time period? So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, the the Waka the Taka period. You know, what you sort of saw in that period is that sumo was was having a bit of a sleepy time um, before the two brothers came on and they yeah. suddenly just lit up the sumo world. And I remember being in Osaka and you know, they had used to have one of the big screens, one of the first like big TV screens up yeah. there in the station. And they used to call it Big Man. It was in Umeda Air Station in Osaka. Okay. And I remember watching, uh, watching like there are like a thousand people standing in front of this screen watching the sumo. Wow. You know, and that you never would see that. I mean, you know, it's some as occasionally on Shibuya and the screens and stuff, and no, no one, no one would even look up. But you know, in those days, you know, it was so popular. You know, you could not get a ticket to go to the Basho. It was so sold out in ten seconds, and you know, wow. it, it it was just wildly popular. Yeah, and they, because of the two brothers, you know, and the, and the, this content, and we had this stage where they had four yokozuna, um, but they they um, you know watching the four yokozuna, and you know you've got all the and these really good ozeki underneath them as well. Yeah, it was just really wildly exciting to watch sumo, and everybody talked about it. You know, you know, these days, if you try and have a conversation with Japanese about sumo, they just sort of look at you, you know, say, well, uh, sumo, yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> but, you know, but if you, oh, in those funny. days, in those days, you know, I, I frequently used to talk to my you know, older student, particularly about sumo, everybody watched it, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that was definitely my favourite period because I was there. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there are things about sumo which need to change, yeah. you know. And one of the things, for example, they need to change is they need to do something about these head-on collisions because yeah. this is a real problem in yeah. sumo and, you know, like it is in football. And mm-hmm. they need to, I think, you know, in the at least in the hair, they need to get wear like some sort of helmet. Like sort of like a rugby helmet, you know, something soft to cushion the blow against the head all the time. Yeah. They need to also discourage this idea of of head butting, you know, yeah. in the ring. Then by, you know, um, and there are ways to do that, you know, that uh, they need to discourage these types of things um, because it, it's dangerous, you know. Very. And, 
Yeah, one of the reasons, you know, that parents these days don't want their kids going into cinema and think, well, that's, you know, I don't want them getting brain injuries and doing this sort of thing and ruining their health. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I think um, more enlightened sort of oyakata, the younger ones are coming forward, are sort of thinking, well, you know, yeah, we need to sort of, you know, bring in a bit of technology and change things a little bit and, you know, this sort of thing. And, you know, and when people have you know, systemic injuries and stuff like this, they need to um, go and have surgery yes. and not just carry on, fight through the pain and all this sort of nonsense. I mean, it's, I, I, mean I, I don't disagree with the idea of falling down the ranks. I don't think they should keep their rank. That's the traditional way. But I do think they should be encouraged to take surgery when they need it yeah. rather than just put it off and put it off and put it off because that's the traditional way, you know. And if you've got some old way kata, you know, basically they're sort of saying, well, you know, what do you mean you want surgery? You're a pussy, you know, because <laughs> that oh. is, you know. So that's the, sort of the attitude of some yeah. of these old guys. And these old guys, remember, they're also the JSA board. Right. And, you know, they're as thick as cheese, a lot of these guys. And <laughs> no. Understand. I mean, they're Sumo's worst enemy, a lot oh. of these people. So, you know, a lot of the people in a running Sumo, uh, they are problematic. Lots of ways, you know, hmm. in lots of ways. So, you know, and particularly in the Haya, I mean, they've yeah. been weeding out these guys over the last several years who are basically used to beat the shit out of the Yeah, the more dish. abusive ones. Yeah, yeah, really abusive ones. They've been weeding these guys out, fortunately, and bringing in some rules about it. But, I mean, that's always been the way in similar, you know, in the past. So... Yeah, we were looking into uh, Tochin Ocean's past and came oh, yeah. his Oyakata and how, you know, he yeah. was beaten with golf clubs and whatnot. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. We are making <laughs> some yeah. progress. And after he's beaten you with the golf club, you're supposed to say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Oyakata. You didn't use the driver today. Oh, you know? my God. <laughs> only, the, only the two are. <laughs> oh. Well, listen, we're running up against our time limit again. Yeah. Okay. So well, listen, I should probably I, I, let you go. Yeah, I talk too much. No, you don't talk too much. I love talking with you. I love talking with anybody about sumo, and you're a font of information, and I'd love yeah. to talk more. So yeah, let's just it. make it happen again. Uh, yeah. Anytime. Many, many times we get questions that we cannot answer at Sumo Kaboom. And so mm. if there's ever an opportunity like that, would you, would you be willing to Absolutely. jump on? Absolutely, yeah, I'd be delighted. Okay. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Call me, call me anytime. I'm happy to come on. Fantastic. So, Thank you so, right. so very much, Ash. No, 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 no problem. I enjoyed it. It's been great to meet you. And please say hi to your sister for me too. I, 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 I shall. I shall. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Ash, for giving us some time to talk about your book. Y'all go out and get this book. You can follow him on social media and find out all the information from there, where the book is coming out from the publisher, and um, support somebody that's doing great work in the sumo world. Next week, who knows what we'll have for you, but it'll be probably interesting, somewhat factual, but who knows? And uh, <laughs> Full of passion. Full of passion. That's what we're all about. That's right. Until then, I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. See y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.